All right, Rob. I, you know, we just spent like the last five minutes of me trying to find our extensive list of show notes because this is not the sort of thing that you can keep in your head all at one time. There's a lot to talk about, which is actually a pretty big lie because we have a pretty short list today, but uh, it includes follow-up, which is always exciting because we don't do a lot of follow-up, do we? We we don't. So it was last episode, we started talking about music and music libraries, and I opened the new music app in Catalina, and we were kind of talking, oh, you know, I should probably just, like, you know, I said, oh, I'll just let go of some of this music. So after I'd edited the show last last episode, I sat down. And I checked, I had about 10,000 songs. I'm now down to 2,000 because I just deleted everything. Wow, um, wow. Basically, the only stuff I've kept now is basically things that I've bought from, you know, places like Bandcamp. Um, and obviously, there's some iTunes stuff in there as well. But it's mostly stuff that either isn't on Spotify or I just think, oh, it's just worth keeping that anyway. Because I like to sync a f- some tracks to Apple Music on my phone just so I've got some offline stuff. Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm down to about 2,000 songs now. Wow. So this is all truly local music because you're not an Apple Music subscriber. You're, you're using Spotify. So these are songs that you just have had from years of wherever they might have come, whether they came off of a, the back of a truck or you bought them on iTunes or you or Bandcamp or whatever. These were the 10,000 songs that you, files that were sitting on your Mac, right? Yeah, so I mean, you know, there is a there was a probably a fair percentage that fell off a truck, but a lot of it was uh, ripped from CDs that I used to have because I used to buy a lot of CDs and albums, and Mm -hmm. you know, whether it was compilations or artist albums, that kind of thing. Um, And I'm honestly that like maybe six, seven, eight years ago, whenever it was, I was kind of maintaining this. Maybe ten years ago, I would sit there and meticulously like make sure all the metadata was right, make sure the artwork was okay. Like, I'd, I, I was started to, like, you know, a lot of it had, like, ratings and things, like, even per track, not just per album. Sure. Um, I just delete it all. Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't need this rip of this Linkin Park album from 15 years ago because it's on all the streaming services, like, and probably in better quality than whatever I was ripping it at. Right, right. Even if you're not a Spotify customer anymore, if you move to something else, you'll be you'll still be able to get your Linkin Park fix every now and then. Uh, right, exactly. Which, to be honest, I, I think I still listen to the same stuff I was when I was a teenager. So it's basically <laughs> just that. So. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, I guess I'm in a similar boat, only in the fa- in so far as, you know, when I wrote about Apple Music in my Catalina review, I got a few angry iTunes faithful people who have very large collections. And and it's true that if you have a very large collection of music, and by collection, I mean collection of physical files locally stored on a computer, uh, iTunes is a better solution in some respects than the new music app is. And Honestly, I think if you're in that boat, you probably ought to be looking for another solution at this point because it's pretty clear where Apple's going. I mean, I Apple Music in Catalina is all about streaming. And while the management of files and all that is still available and still in the app, it it's all kind of mostly swept under the rug a little bit. So, you know, I would personally, if that was what I was doing, I would be looking for another solution. And there are there are other solutions out there. But for me, I mean, it all started with, you know, the iTunes 
music in the cloud that Apple rolled out. Gosh, it's got to have been like at least five years ago. I don't even know. But they, you know, they did that. And you could, even if your music was uh, a local file that you couldn't get anywhere else, at least not on iTunes, it would upload it. And then it was always available to you as long as you subscribed to the service, you could re-download it, stream it to yourself, that kind of thing. And so I kept files of all that stuff and I kept it on an old hard drive that's connected to an old Mac mini. But, you know, when I got a couple of these people who were uh, angry that I liked the the Apple Music app and, you know, I'm not going to apologize for liking the Apple Music app. I still like it. But uh, I one of them asked me, well, how many how many songs do you have? And I, I was and I I looked. I was like, well, I'm I'm not really sure how to answer that or how to even f- go about figuring it out anymore because I could go to this old mini and I could open up iTunes. Well, actually, I couldn't do that anymore because now I put that on Catalina too. But at the time, <laughs> I could have I could have opened it up because it still had Mojave and I could open up iTunes and I could have gone into like the song view and you know at the bottom it you know the song view. This is the thing about and we we talked about all about this. I mean this. You know, iTunes was like the finder of music, and you could go to the bottom of that long list of songs and see how many thousands of songs you had. And I had a lot, and they're still there, and they're still attached to the hard drive. But I haven't, I haven't accessed those songs locally in forever because it's all just always available to stream back down from iTunes. And it's, I guess it's. I wonder if they still call it. I guess they call it Music Match now. Is is really what it is because uh, the iTunes name is pretty much gone. But in any event. Uh, it doesn't really matter, you know, the, even if I could go back and look at how many tracks are on that particular disc, it's kind of meaningless at this point because I haven't bought music for so long. I've been, you know, streaming since the late days of Beats Music before it was acquired by Apple, uh, maybe a year before that time frame. So, you know, maybe five, six years. In any event, uh, all those songs get just added to my library which you know you and I were talking a little bit before we even started that the concept of a music library is kind of strange when you think about it because it's not really a library I mean it's 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 Apple's music library and it and they're really like almost like web bookmarks or something because it's just a convenient way to find your way back to stuff that you like as opposed to having to search the entirety of Spotify or Apple Music or whatever whatever service you're using. So I, I don't I have no idea uh, how many songs there are among those that I've saved into my online libraries since I became a subscriber to Apple Music. It's it's a lot, but but I doesn't really strike me as meaning it's just not I, I'm just not interested in knowing how many songs I have, I guess, at this point. Just that I can find what I want to listen to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you say, it's one of these. If you're the kind of person that has, like, you know, like I was when I was doing all this, when I was ripping my CDs back, you know, ten years ago or whatever. Back then, you know, I was I really making sure all the files are great and all of that. I think if you're still like that now, which is absolutely fine, if that's you know you've got your library, you want to keep it all and keep it all organized and stuff like that, right. I'm not convinced iTunes is going to be the way to go, or I guess the music app now. No, um, you know yeah. it still kind of works now in Catalina. Like it's still absolutely fine for the songs that I've got. But you know, next year, maybe the year after, I really, I'd be surprised if it even has. You know, it's certainly not going to get any more features for handling local music. If anything, it, those features are going to start disappearing. So, I mean, it kind of does leave the market open for somebody else to come along. It really and does. Build a, 
decent music app. I mean, you know, there used to be loads of these. You know, Winamp was is a you know good example of something that right. you know was huge back you know back then when everyone was downloading music from you know all the all the places where it fell off a truck. Um, so you know, maybe somebody else will come along with something. Maybe there already is, and I'm just not aware of it. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's really at the point where you've just kind of got to let it go. Or find another solution. Yeah, there are solutions. I have to. I really should go through and figure out which are the best, and maybe write about them. But it, to me, I, I wrote about this a little bit in Club the Club Max Stories, Max Stories Weekly newsletter two or three weeks ago. It's it's like a different approach to music, and there's no one's not one doesn't exclude the other and one's not better than the other. They're just different. There's, you know, the, I think music listen online music enjoyment started as an exercise in collecting. It was very much about managing files, making sure the metadata was right because, you know, the sources for, especially when you were getting stuff that was falling off a truck with, you know, Napster or whatever it was, it didn't always have the best, metadata associated with it so people would go around and find the best metadata the highest resolution artwork and all that stuff to make sure they had perfect albums but that's that that's a problem that's long since solved so that kind of management while it may have become a habit for a lot of people and some people might still enjoy doing it anyway it's just not necessary if what you are is more of a music browser which is what i kind of feel like i am it's just like browsing the web and that I'll just give me a search box and I'm and I'm good I'll find what I need and I'll play it and if I like it I'll I'll give it a little heart or I'll save it to my library and that's about all the management that I really want to want to deal with when it comes to music yeah it was funny when I was sort of deleting all these files because I say I must have you know hours and hours of my life I would have spent organizing files doing artwork and stuff like that um, so it was it was fairly obvious to me when I was using the new music app and I was in the album cover view. You know, you've got a grid of all the album covers. Right. Um, you can't select two of them. Like, I can't click one and then click, you know, another one while holding shift or holding control or command. Um, because of the way it works now, as soon as you click an album, it opens it up. Um, so it has this little, like, you can drag over a whole bunch of albums, oh, but you right, can't right, do, right. like, a multi-select anymore. Um which kind of made it a little bit harder. I had to go into the list view and sort of do it that way, which was fine. Right. Um, but, you know, even something as simple as that, which is you know, essentially selecting multiple folders, for want of a better word, you know, or sort of a better analog to, as you said, like being the finder of music. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff is going. So I guess we'll see how it goes in the next couple of years. Um, but I'm quite happy to just move on with my life. I'll leave those 2000 songs in there. I sync them to my phone once a year. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, it's interesting because that you know that that management style of dealing with media is all still there. Like if you go even into like the TV app and you go into your your purchased movies or TV shows, for instance, the default view is a grid of rectangles or squares, uh, so that looks very much like the you know the streaming part of that app. But you can also go into a list view, and the list view replicates what looks a lot like the song view in in music, which is basically list view in a finder window. So all that's still there. It's just that it's kind of the secondary view and de-emphasized. And I, while I don't think list views are probably going anywhere anytime soon, just because they're a good way to look at 
a lot of condensed information. I do think that a lot of those features are going to go away eventually that were in um, that were in iTunes that are still in music. I mean, they even have they still have you know like this weird thing where you can put check boxes in front of songs. Uh, which I've never really understood what what those are for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make a lot of people upset. I know, but I, it has. Uh, you, I, I know. For instance, you used to be able to check ones off and then selectively sync with a cable to an iPod or something. I do remember that from way back when. Uh, and, and individual song ratings, like you know, there is still this distinction between giving a song a heart. Uh, in music and giving it a one out of five stars, which is just another relic of iTunes, which to me is just confusing and do- and doesn't need to be there. But I'm sure that if you've gone through and meticulously starred, you know, tens of thousands of songs, the idea of that going away is is pretty bad, and that's why it's still there. It's just uh, you know, long tail legacy of of the iTunes days. Yeah. Well, I mean, on the topic of this, this sort of archiving and keeping old stuff, you, I think, did you tweet out about this? Somebody did. Um, the, the analog pocket. Oh, yeah. Um, I want this thing so bad. Oh, my God. Can you buy me one while you're at it? Thanks. <laughs> um. <laughs> it, you know, analog makes just this beautiful hardware that's just so well designed and is designed to play old cartridges from old systems they don't you know they don't do emulation they don't do any of that they just they have i know they have a super nintendo one there's a a sega genesis player that they have i forget what else i think there's an nes one maybe but they're coming out with this analog pocket which plays game boy games but not just the original game boy games also game boy color game boy advance and there are going to be adapters for a whole bunch of other things like Sega Game Gear, um, Neo Geo Pocket, I think it was called, and then a couple, mm-hmm. one or two others that are out there. And it just looks, I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but there, there's a black and a white model. I think I like the black one the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, as you said, this is a beautiful bit of hardware. I, it's incredible. Like, there's no world in which I'm going to buy one of these. Um, you know, it's in the US, the shipping will be expensive, there'll probably be import fees. And also and, and I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but I think this is the one issue. I guess issue is probably the wrong word, but like those Game Boy cartridges are not cheap now. Yeah. I mean unless you want unless you want Tetris, because that came with basically every Game Boy, so there's like a gajillion copies of it out there. Um, you know, if if you get this and you think, Oh, I really want to play I don't know, whatever the Wario game was on Game Boy or Castlevania or, you know, whatever else there was, those cartridges can get really expensive really quickly. Mm, that I, I You know, I hadn't actually considered that because all I have done since seeing this analog pocket is I went around to a few game websites like Polygon and downloaded top 50 Game Boy games of all time and top 50 Game Boy Advance games of all time, creating lists that I could then start ticking them off because I actually don't have many of those cartridges lying around. We have a handful, but not not many, and not very many of them are games that I'd want to play anyway. Uh, and so I thought, well, this isn't coming out until 2020. Maybe I'll get one. And in the meantime, I'll just start working my way through eBay and maybe secondhand shops and 
pick up a cartridge here or there and have a collection by the time by the time it comes out. But I I hadn't really th- considered the fact that these aren't going to be things that cost me like five or ten dollars. Yeah, and it, it is a it's a, it's one of those things. Like I have a I think we've talked about this before, but I have a Raspberry Pi set up with you know, basically every game right. that came out before the N sixty four. Um, and they all fit on like a 32 gigabyte SD card. Wow. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not the same. I'd much rather be holding a Game Boy in my hand or, you know, whatever it is playing on, on the, on the Super Nintendo or something like that. But the, the cost of the cartridges is not all of them, but a lot of them like is vastly outweighs the enjoyment I would get out of like this, you know, an authentic experience rather than just, you know, playing it on my laptop through emulation or on the Raspberry Pi or something like that. Right. Um, you know, clearly there's a market for this stuff because they this this isn't the only company that are doing this kind of thing. Um, no, they and they've done all kinds of interesting things. Like they have a digital to analog converter where they'll you know they'll transfer these they'll output to CRT monitors and things. People buy really high end CRTs to play these games on so that it's just like the original, but you know, there's all kinds of conditioning going on with the signals coming out of them so that the colors are reproduced crisper than they originally were and and this this uh pocket is going has an incredibly high resolution display. It's like I think it's 661 PPI I read. I mean, it's really high resolution. And looks at least the you know the videos they've got running on their website looks like it does a fantastic job of reproducing these games in very bright, vivid colors. At least the games that are in color uh, that that'll be, you know because the Game Boy was notoriously tiny screen and very dim, and this is going to be well lit and sharp and make it I, I think breathe new life into some of these games, which is pretty cool. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like I say, if if I had a whole bunch of cartridges lying around already, you know, in my collection, I'd be leaning more towards it. Yep. But I know that this is a slippery slope where I'm going to go, oh, maybe I want Pokemon Blue. And I know for a fact that those are like minimum £20. If you want one in decent condition, you're looking at anywhere between like £30 and £70 or something. Right. Um. And I just know that this is this slippery slope where all of a sudden I've spent a thousand pounds just to play a few old games that, in reality, I'm probably not going to play for that long. No, that's true. Um, you know, and I, I don't say this to like poo-poo it or you know, oh, this is a t- it's, it's it looks like an amazing product, but it it's definitely for a certain type of collector I think who potentially already has a huge collection. Yeah, I, I think that's that's there's definitely something to that. I mean, for me, every time I see one of the things that they make, I want it. And it's, I think it's because the hardware is just so well designed and, it, and it's so thoughtfully created for maximizing these old games that it makes me want it, even though, you know, I nearly bought the, super, the SNES one that, um, that, that came out a couple of years ago. But then, you know, it all came on the Switch, basically. So now, right, right? Yeah. So there's that angle to it, too. Now, you can't really get these Game Boy games uh, as readily that way. But, I mean, even down to 
have you seen that even the cable for charging it is like kind of that weird green color of the original screen of the Game Boy? I mean, it's, yeah, I did say that. It, it just everything looks really amazing about this, and I don't know. It's I, I, it just really captured my my imagination when I saw it. And who knows? This is this is the one where I might actually go for it. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll I'll just pick up a handful of cartridges here and there. I mean, I could play Link's Awakening. I've been playing that on the Switch, the the remake, the remaster. So maybe I could, uh, and I know we actually have that cartridge, so I could maybe uh, get it and just play that game and nothing else. Well, I mean, in that case, I mean, I you know, I do think you should get one because they look really nice, and I just want to know what they're like. Um, so yeah, so hopefully, you know, hopefully you'll be able to get one. And as you say, if you even if you've got a few cartridges, it's probably worth it. Right. Yeah, we have a handful of them lying around the house. I need to start digging around. That's the kind of thing that's at the bottom of a drawer somewhere that I that I know I can find, but it's going to take a little digging on a weekend to figure out where all that stuff is. So, um, you said you've been playing a game called Bad North. Um, I haven't I hadn't heard about this until you mentioned it before we started recording. Yeah, it's not a new game. It's been out for a while, and actually, it was on the Mac before it was on iOS. And I'll, I'll say, I got it originally on the Mac, and I just couldn't get it to work. It crashed constantly on me, and I don't know if it was because of the Mac I was using at the time or what. I think I probably was trying to run it on a MacBook Pro 15-inch from 2016. Game. <laughs> Games on a Mac. Don't be silly, Joe. <laughs> I, know, I know. You know, actually, right before we started the call, I, you know, I, use, I use Alfred, and I usually just you know type in the shortcut and type sk to get skype up and started and i did that and hit return but hit return before i even looked and it started skate city because now i have another sk app on my mac which (laughs) i I downloaded a couple of weeks ago um yeah games on the mac rob don't even get me started but bad north wasn't great on the mac but on iOS it is really good. It's a tower defense game and it's you're controlling an island, you're defending an island. You have to defend the buildings on an island from invasion invaders and they come in boats and you have an army and you can you know as you progress to the game you can get more people in your army, more leaders, you get more weapons, you can upgrade your weapons and you deploy the different groups to different parts of the island. So, you know, you might have archers you want to put up on top of a hill so they can shoot down on the boats as they come ashore and put your infantry more down on the beach and that kind of thing. And you just go island by island, conquering the islands and defending your turf. And it's incredibly fun. It's I haven't played it. I've played it probably about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, it's the kind of game that you can and you can play it for just, you know, 10 20 minutes something like that doing an island or two but it sucks you in pretty hard so uh, you can very easily lose an entire evening to it and i think it's like 5.99 on the app store i want to say but it i i may review it on mac stories i just haven't had i i really haven't had time to do i have a longer list of (laughs) things to write about than i will probably ever get to which is too bad, but uh, games is one of the things that I want to get back to because I haven't done a game in a while. And let's see. Oh, it's four ninety nine, And this is one that I might write about still because it's it's a great game. It, I think, had some, you know, it, even before it was on the Mac, it was 
I think it probably started on Steam or something on the PC. So it's had uh, it's had some updates since then, I think, had some new content added to it. And the iPad version or the iOS version has all of that baked into it. It uh, looks like on the Mac you can get it for $15. Not so sure about that. I haven't tried it in a long time. Um, but, you know. Yeah, I think if I try it, I'll stick to iOS. Um. Yeah, I mean, especially <laughs> like I some of this stuff now, I feel like the Mac has been permanently left behind, especially if if you have a big iPad, like I have a, you know, a 12.9 inch iPad Pro, I'd much rather play a game on it than I would on a uh, on a Mac, just because the the screen is big, it's big enough, and I it's a it's more portable than and I don't have to be sitting at a desk to do it. So I'd kind of rather, you know, I think the in a way the Mac's getting squeezed out. If the Apple TV gets powerful enough, they you know. Now that it supports controllers, I'd much rather play a game like Bad North either on the Apple TV or my iPad than I would at a Mac, um, just because the experience is so much better. Now, I don't think Bad North is on the Apple TV. Uh, there's a fair amount of arcade games on the Apple TV. I haven't spent a ton of time with arcade games on the Apple TV, but I plan to. I mean... Skate City is one that I've played a little bit on it, which is really good on a, on a big screen. So th- that's one worth checking out if you have have it on Apple TV. Yeah, I, I still haven't uh, done my Apple Arcade uh, trial yet, um, but uh, the, the list is getting sort of a bit longer. You know, people keep recommending stuff, so I'm probably going to do that at some point and try out a bunch of these games. Yeah, they they've got. I think they're up in around the 85 ish number now it's not quite to the hundred that they initially promised but it's they're coming out at maybe four to five a week now and they're it's really solid collection of games i mean i i mean we were talking too right before we started i just feel like paralyzed by choice i don't know what games to play next i've been playing some Link's awakening uh as i said i played bad north but that's been about it because i've only just very recently like in the last week freed up enough time to really be able to consider doing more games i think i'm going to play i think i'm going to actually go back to the ps4 and play control i think i, I got that game over oh there. nice yeah, yeah. I, so I watched a review of that that looks pretty good yeah it does look pretty good and i know federico started playing it and he recommend it came highly recommended by him so he's he and i have not quite the same taste in games but pretty close so at least on that kind of game i think uh it was a recommendation worth taking so we'll see i gotta i I actually bought a physical disc of it. Wow. Yeah. Check you out. Well, it was like $33 <laughs> on Amazon. Where You know, that, that's what kills me is that the digital downloads are still like, well, I could buy this for $60 or I could have it here tomorrow from Amazon for $35. It's like, well, I guess I might as well just get the disc. Oh, yeah. I mean, other than the fact that you can't switch quickly between the games, like right. there's very little benefit to, you know, the digital, you know, as you, certainly from a cost point of view. Right, right, and you still have to do a big download anyway. So I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it, it it's silly to me that digital isn't the cheaper version since they're not printing something and no one's having to ship it to my house. On the other hand, you know it's just the way it's been, and I don't see it changing anytime soon. No, definitely not. Well, um, I mean, we only had three items in our notes. Um, yeah, right. but we it appears that we've you know we've still done a full length episode anyway. We have so, uh, very good good for good us. for us. 
<laughs> Look at us. Yeah. Have you seen the Have you guy. seen the Paul Rudd video? No, I haven't. I'll send it to you. You should see this. Okay. You'll understand the reference when I send it to you. Okay. All right. I will. Uh, I guess I'll look at that after we finish recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. I'll. Uh, well, I'll be back in a couple of weeks then. All right. Talk to you later, Rob. <laughs>